What's up, everyone, and welcome to Season 1 of Unsportsman My Conduct. While you're on the road heading to the next tournament or trying to pass some time before lacing up the skates for practice, this is your podcast to tune in and listen on all things hockey. It's your host, Mike Cambria. Guys, I'm eager, I'm excited, I'm fired up. I cannot wait to help you navigate this crazy game of hockey that we all know and love by providing you with a lot of my stories growing up as a player and a coach and also providing you with some fun and insightful interviews from a lot of my friends and colleagues who are all involved within the hockey industry in different ranks today. That said, let's hit the ice for episode number one. For my first In the Box interview, I have a very special guest. His name is Ed Witz, and he's been the head coach of Pelham Memorial High School in Lower Westchester, New York for 36 seasons. In the middle of season number 36, he secured the 500th win of his illustrious career with a dominant 7-0 win on the road against rival Rye High School back on January 19th. To date, Ed has compiled a record of 500 wins, 279 losses, and 38 ties, which includes 11 New York State Section 1 titles, 7 regional titles, and the school's first ever state championship in 2017, and he has no doubt built up one of the best high school hockey programs in New York State history. So without further ado, it's my honor to welcome Ed as the first official guest on my podcast. Ed, first I want to say congratulations on reaching milestone win number 500. For me, the past six and a half seasons behind the bench as your assistant have been an absolute blast. As I continue to grow as a coach, the fact that I get to do it side by side with you, learning from one of the best bench bosses in New York State, while representing the town of Pelham and the program is something I'll continue to cherish each and every day. It's an honor, and I'm happy to be part of the ride. Well, thank you. You got it, man. So with the you're penalty box... A, hold on a second. You're doing a great job for us. Thanks, thank bro. God. Thank Thanks, God we bro. have you. Thank God we have you, man. So with the penalty box door open, let's dive in. In your own words, can you talk about your coaching career for some of our listeners who might not know you or anything about high school hockey in New York State in general? Well, I was an assistant coach for Ralph Marigliano, and then he was telling me that he was gonna be leaving the coaching ranks to start a business venture, and was grooming me for the uh, head job, and I worked with him, and then I I worked under him, even though I was the head coach, he was kind of there supervising, because I was brand new, and, yeah, and then eventually he retired and I took over. And uh, I never thought I would be here this long because I had coached football at Mamaroneck and Rhinek. I coached uh, football here in Pelham. I did baseball, Mamaroneck, Rhinek, and here in Pelham. So I never really knew what I was doing. And I knew that I loved the game and I was always very competitive, even as a player and a kid and I had to be around the game. So, you know, I guess I, I, you know, I, I got lucky in being able to coach Pelham, great community, great people, sports-oriented, great families, and, you know, enjoying the hell out of it. That's great. It's definitely, definitely fun to be part of it. So did you, did you grow up playing for Pelham Youth Hockey, or, or did you not really um, do anything Pelham-related until you started coaching the high school team? Well, I grew up in Mount Vernon, play baseball, football, and hockey, but um, I didn't really start skating until about seventh grade. We were all roller hockey players, played a lot of roller hockey, played down in the Bronx, Yonkers, all over the place. 
That's probably where we learned a lot about the game because with roller hockey, especially when we played, was four wheels, not you know, not the way they have the roller skates now. And you learn how to you know you learn how to deal with and handle a two on one, three on two. Game slows down a little bit. You got to be a little bit more crafty because there's not a lot of speed. So then I played, you know, uh, high school hockey, Mount Vernon, and then uh, started helping. Coach Mergoliano out because he was my high school coach. I helped him with Mount Vernon towards the end, and then I went and helped him with Pelham. Nice. So Pelham hockey and your coaching career is largely defined by success. As you can see from all the banners and the trophies, when you look far beyond the cardboard cutouts at the ice hutch. But what would you say are some of the biggest challenges or struggles you faced up until this point in your career? Um, I don't know. I, I really find myself thinking positively about the whole time I was here. I mean, when I first started, the team, you know, when I first started, obviously I had to prove myself and that I could handle it. I was a young guy and I was different than I am now. I was much, you know, I was probably a little bit more A-type personality as a coach at the time. But as you get older, you start to learn and experience things. And, you know, um, I think, I think the biggest challenge, if there, if there is one, is the constant changing of the game, the way the game has kind of developed. I mean, if you go back to when I first started, the talent level compared to today is night and day. The depth is night and day. I think your rosters in high school now have kind of like the largest spectrum, meaning you have guys that are AAA, legitimate AAA players at the top of your roster, and you got guys that may be C-level hockey players, play just as hard. But it's kind of like designing the practices and designing the schemes of how you want to play the game where you can get the guys at the top and the guys at the bottom to be able to manage what you're trying to do. You know, we get into these discussions constantly about should we do something a little bit more sophisticated, do something more advanced, and then the conversation comes to, well, we got guys on our team that can do that, we got guys that can't. I guess it's kind of like being in a classroom. You can't always you know, teach up to the highest guy. You gotta kind of carry everybody in. And I think we've been pretty good at doing that. We play a pretty simple style, try to play to our strengths, but that's probably the biggest challenge. I mean, these guys that are coaching college, these guys that are coaching juniors, these guys that are coaching AAA travel, most of the talent is around you know, similar talent. When you're in high school, because you got to, you, you, you get what you get, there's no recruiting. You have players at the top and players at the bottom. So that challenge is probably the biggest challenge. Sure, sure. But again, with every every team, whatever talent level it is, it's just, it's it's being able to get those guys to kind of buy in, as you said, and that's just, that's a good trait for any, any good coach to have. So that kind of leads into my next question. You know, I've heard you say plenty of times that you wouldn't go back and change a thing. Uh, but what piece of, of advice do you have now that you wish you can go back and give to a younger Edwitz, maybe uh, an Edwitz just starting out in his hockey coaching career? That's a really, really good question. I mean, I think, I don't know, I'm still, the jury's still out in my mind. Like, for years, I mean, since we started, we always played the absolute toughest schedule we could. Absolute toughest schedule we could. We never duck anybody. We, uh, it took us a long time to get into that Messina tournament because quite frankly, 
they didn't think we were good enough to be in that tournament. So for years I was lobbying to try to play and we'd go upstate, this is early on, and we'd get, we'd get blasted. But I knew that at the end of the day, for the program's good, we needed to do that. And like, you know, maybe I was a little bit more of a Wild West Cowboy with my schedule. Maybe I might have thought things differently now that I'm looking at it now, but at the same time, I think it's really paid off because, you know, our, our program has a name and it's been, it's been strong and I think we've got the best of it. So we've been, you know, it, it's worked out for us. Sure. Yeah, I remember the first few years coaching, we went four or five different trips upstate back in 2016 and we kind of dialed it back down to two trips, sometimes three. Uh, happy to get back on the road this year with somewhat of a normal season. But would you say that's kind of a testament to hockey in Section 1 getting way better? You don't have to travel as much anymore? Well, yeah. I mean, we started that fabulous 21 tournament. Basically, I mean, up until COVID, we had waiting lists of teams from upstate trying to come down because we were good. And Suffren's good. And Mamarinick's been good. John Jay's been good. Rye's been good. Scarsdale's been good. And these upstate teams realize that. And it's just like when, when we weren't as good, we were going up there to try to get credibility and try to get our kids out there against the best kids. But yeah, we used to go on a lot of trips and we kind of cut it down a couple of reasons. Number one, I think a couple of the tournaments that we were in have become less competitive. So we're almost better off staying home and playing games here. And also too, with you coming on as my assistant, one of the things that you've taught me is that sometimes it's better to practice than play. And many times, you know, rather than play a game that is a waste of time, say, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm arrogant because I'm certainly not that, but sometimes if we've got a, a non-challenging game that we don't have to play, maybe we're better off practicing. Maybe we're better off practicing. Right. So, that I've learned from you for sure. Sure, sure. So there have been some big time players that have put on the Pelham High School uniform. You know, guys like Will Cullen, who had a brief cup of coffee with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers in the AHL. He's still playing up in the coast. Uh, Steph Amaklakos, who was on our state championship team. Freshman year at Jun uh, SUNY Geneseo. Colin Riley, one of the best players you have to ever play for Pelham. Played four years at Colby College, you know, among many others. Um, obviously, these guys all juggled playing outside travel hockey and high school hockey which still to today is one of the biggest obstacles for a lot of young players and coaches like us to face. Um, so as a coach, what's your advice to some of these current and future high school players and coaches who are kind of juggling the whole travel versus high school hockey boat? It's a, uh, yeah, it certainly is a challenge. The, problem, the problems are, are many. I mean, you look at a guy like Will Cullen, and might he get a shot in the NHL? I think he might. I mean, I... I'm basing that on just my limited knowledge of that level of play, but I think with, if you look at his situation, he played four years of high school hockey and graduated from Pelham High School. Did not go to prep school in high school. Then after he got out of high school, we got him into Northwood because I have a connection there because my daughter played there. They took him, he played a, a, a post-grad year there then he had to play three years of juniors anyway. So you get other guys that leave 
their high school team in junior year and go to a prep school like Stefan McClacos did, went to Avon in his junior year, he, you know, played in his senior year rather, stayed an extra year in PG, and still had to play the three years of juniors. So I think what parents have got to do is realize that it's, it's fluid, and depending on their situation and circumstances, they have to look at it. But it looks to me like no matter what you do, you have to play two to three years of juniors if you're gonna to expect to play at a high level in college. So having said that, why miss out on your high school career playing in front of your family and friends? I don't get it. I don't know, you know, um, I don't understand it. I also think too that there are a lot of travel teams out there. So I think that, you know, without sounding too controversial, okay, without sounding too controversial, there's a lot of money in these teams. It's, it's a business. It's yep. an absolute business. Sure. And I'm saying that not in a negative way, but you really got to assess what you're doing. And while you should take advice, you really got to weigh everything because I don't think you can replace or replicate a high school career. I really don't think you can. And I look at a lot of the kids who played for me that also played travel. A lot of them keep in touch with me, quite a few, over 36 years of coaching. They all remember everything they did in high school. They all were thankful that they played. I've even had guys that left us in 10th grade. And when I see them in town sometimes, in their 30s and 40s, and they say to me, you know, I should have stayed in high school. But you know, everybody's got to do what they think they got to do. No, no, it's no one size fits all. And a guy like me, who's strictly a high school coach, I got no business opinionating on what you should and should not do. Looking to step up to the next level, but that's just the way I see it. Right. Yeah. It seems like it seems like the outside travel leagues, like you said, have gotten quite watered down, and that I feel like leads to. Um, guys maybe not playing high school, but it just, as the game changes, it seems like the one constant is the path to getting to college hockey. If you're not that, you know, top 10 guy in the area or that guy that's playing Division One as a true freshman, like guys like Don Fensori who kind of got drafted, those guys go and play without missing a year. But it's almost like everybody else down at the other levels, it's got to be two or three years like you say. So... It is, it's definitely a, a topic that's gonna be something that affects high school hockey for, for quite some time. So my next question, uh, you know, looking back on your coaching career to date, you must have plenty of great memories, but which ones stick out more so than the others? Well, I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you a negative one, and I'm gonna give you a positive one, because I could, I could give you a hundred of them. I've had a very, very exciting career in Pelham. I mean, there's a hundred crazy things that have happened in this rink here at the Ice Hutch and on the road that will stick in my memory forever. But I'm gonna go with two, uh, one negative, one positive. One of the best teams I've ever had with Colin Riley, I mean, we, he was my captain, one of my captains, we had an unbelievable team. And we go up to the state finals to play against Williamsville East in the state championship up there and it was, I don't know, third, fourth, second, third, fourth overtime. And uh, we turn the puck over inside the blue line and they walk in two on oh. 
on our goaltender. And the kid shoots the puck, clearly hits a crossbar, goes into the corner, and everybody on the ice is chasing after the puck, and the referee calls it a goal. Ending our season, ending our chance for the state championship. Uh, that same weekend, Williamsville East goes into the final and blows the team out. So uh, that was unbelievable. I mean, that the referees missed it and didn't want to hear it, and videotapes were sent, News 12 covered it. So that's my big, that negative, I'll, ne I'll never forget that. Not so much because I was disappointed, because as a coach, I lived to fight another day. The season ends, okay, yeah, it's disappointing, but hey, the seniors on that team, that's how they end their career. That's what they have to remember. I, I got other things, you know? So I felt really bad for them in that locker room. That locker room was a tough locker room uh, after that game. On a positive, obviously, the state championship that we won, you and I and Bob and Doc and our crew and our family and friends, that will live forever. That state championship, the whole season, the 25-game winning streak, the, uh, the regionals, the final, the, the semifinal, the final, the parade in town. I mean, greatest moment. Yeah, it was definitely definitely fun to be a part of, and and I kind of got a glimpse of your your negative memory. I mean, my first year coaching, we lost up in uh, the final four, you know. And the next year, we went back and won it. But that that I think was one of having played, you know, for over twenty years, and then to deal with that in my first year of coaching, I was my first time seeing um, you know seniors go out losing the last game of the season, and it is it's tough to deal with, you know. Those guys put you know a lot of heart into more than four years of hockey because a lot of them grew up playing for Pelham Youth and they get to play for the high school team and it is uh, it's one of the toughest things to do I think is have that last conversation at the end of the season if it ends in a loss. Um, yeah it's funny you mention that but the funny thing is we always tell our guys this they don't even realize it they don't really they don't even realize it's over until it's over right. their career their high school career and when it's over it's like a ton of bricks falling on top of them. It is devastating. And that's why, you know, high school season, 20 games, playoffs, we tell our guys, hey, you're, you're a senior, you're on the clock. You know, this is it. Make the most of it. And, you know, some of them do get it, and some of them don't. But either way, when the season ends, it ends. Sure. And uh, only one team walks away happy with the way they finished. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, going back to that, that bad memory, um, we've had this discussion before. But, I mean, it's 2022, like, we're, we're so technologically advanced. Don't you think that um, the section and New York State in general can look into things like instant replay or putting uh, cameras in the nets? Because you and I have been a part of a crazy game, too. You know, that uh, one goal that was called back for goalie interference back in 2018. Um, you know, whether Suffering or not... Suffering-Scarsdale game. Suffering-Scarsdale game. That was before I started coaching, but Bob always talks about that. But, but do you think... Uh, the conversation can be had about there being things like that implemented into the game. I mean, I know human error is always part of every sport, and that's part of being a referee, and, and, and you got to deal with it, right? And the easy thing to sit back as a coach is be like, well, you know, we had 35 scoring chances that we didn't capitalize on one of them, so that's ultimately why we also lost the game. But sometimes there are errant calls that decide big games, and the fact that there's no um, potential way to do any instant replay, I just think it's a little silly even in high school sports. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to be, I try not to be controversial. I try to stay on the, 
you know, say I'm a sensible, I'm going to be controversial here because it definitely has come into play, not just for our team, but for all teams. I think there's, I think there's a little bit of an integrity of the game issue when you don't uh, do everything you can to make sure that everything is gotten right. And I remember that incident with us when they called that a goal and it obviously wasn't a goal and it was videotape and all this and all that. Um, my take from the powers that be up there was that, hey, we're not, we're not going over our referees' heads. We're not, we're not taking them out. We're not going to say that they made a mistake. We're not going to change it. And you know, I do understand that part of it, but I think what you're saying is is probably a better idea in that they have to start to realize that they have the technology available, just like professional sports. And you can't be worried about egos. And, you know, I don't want to say that, but th that's basically what it is. Right. And you can't, you know, you, the object is to get it right. Get it right, whatever it takes. And I know, like for us, you know, and we've seen it. I mean, we've saw even our opponents, like, you know, the Scarsdale suffering game, same thing. I mean, referees going to make mistakes, yes. Umpires in baseball, referees in football, they've all gone to, if they have it, they've all gone to, you know, technology. And, you know, maybe the high school has to start to do that. I don't know what's holding that up, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll change it. Yeah, I just laugh because I look at, uh, obviously, we, we both really enjoy baseball, and every August, the 12 and under Little League World Series has uh, instant replay, and we can't get it in high school sports. Interesting um, point. Yeah, but getting back on, on, on track here. So what is it, in your opinion, that makes coaching high school so special? Is it the compete level? You know, is it the memories? Is it the relationships that you form with players over the course of their playing career and, and after they graduate? I know you talked a, you know, a little bit about it before, but, but what do you think it is that makes it so special? I think it's one of those things where the kids go through that period of time once in their lives, whatever sport, football, basketball, where they're playing for their town, wearing their town jersey, everybody's representing the community, family and friends. And, you know, a lot of my players who played for me previously, and some of them have kids that are playing, you know, for us and in our program now. And it's, it's great to have that. I mean, I... And now as I move on, you know, as I, you know, in my career, I, I kind of like cherish that kind of relationships that we have and we've built. You know, you got the youth hockey here too. It's, it's a great place to coach. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and like I said before, I'm just, I'm happy to be a part of it. And, and you know, the legacy that you're eventually going to leave behind is something that uh, it's, it's going to be incredible for you to look back on. And, and it's, um, it's, it's really cool. So I know you weren't really counting your wins, but how does it feel to be in the exclusive 500 club and mentioned in the same category as guys like Stan Moore from Messina, uh, Mickey Locke from St. Lawrence, who we played in that state final game in 2017, and uh, Rob Rosen from Willie North? You know, it's some pretty good, pretty good company. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I know I'm going to sound really corny here, but to be quite honest with you, I don't look at it as my wins. And I always say this, I've yet to score a goal. I've yet to make it on a score sheet unless I get a penalty or get tossed. So I think that that kind of, uh, that 500 wins is, 
just tells you what the program has done, you know, since I've been involved in it. And quite honestly, people were congratulating me and it feels really good and it's really nice that people do that and people see what we're doing. But in reality, it's not just 500, Edwards 500 wins. It's Pelham Hockey Associations, Pelham Community, Pelham High School, all these guys that coach youth hockey, all these families, and more importantly, the kids who play for us have bought into what we're trying to do, have yep. bought into what we're trying to do. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely great. And I was kidding around with you, and I said I felt like Don Sutton, but they, you know, I've been around, it's, I think it's my 36th or 37th season, I'm not even sure, but we've had some unbelievable teams. We've won certainly more than our fair share of playoff games and sectionals and all that stuff, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting to realize that I've coached a lot of games, man. I mean, I'm doing this a long time. I mean, that first thing I thought of after, you know, after that game against Rye, first thing I thought of was, man, I'm doing this a long time. Yeah, well, that's gonna be my next question. You know, if you could walk me through the final moments of, the, of that game and, and what kind of went through your head, I mean, you just kind of touched on it. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible accomplishment for you, even though you'll kind of downgrade it, but also for the town and the youth program. It, it's, um, they are one of the better programs around, and, and a lot of programs around here kind of look up to them. Uh, I think when we broke it down, it came down to like 14 wins a season, which is pretty incredible. You know, I mean, we're a smaller school, um, so we don't have that big of a talent pool. And like you said before, if you kind of go back to the schedule that we play and, and that you used to play, it's just it's uh, it's pretty incredible when you sit back and, and look at the whole thing. So my last question is, what's next for Ed Witts? You know, when all this is said and done, what's your what's your plan? Well. I mean, I'm, I'm still here, obviously, and I mean, uh, for me, whenever ever anybody says next, it's like, for me, our next practice or our next game, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these guys that necessarily is projecting any further than the end of this week. I mean, with the team right now, I'm right, super, super hyper-focused on, on, you know, getting us to Buffalo. I mean, that's what we want to do. I mean, we got there in 2017, we were there in 2016, and then we had four years or so, or five years or so, where, you know, quite honestly, we just weren't, we just weren't there. We just weren't, weren't good enough, uh, plain and simple. So this year, I think we've got the horses, and no matter how good you coach, if you don't have the players, it doesn't really matter. But I think we've got the players to do it, and it's just, I'm just, you know, working with the staff, trying to get things, uh, you know, staying on, on, on focus, trying to get out of the section first, win as many games as we can so we can get the number one seed, which will help us for the playoffs, winning our playoff game, getting out of the section, getting to regionals, being successful there, and then hopefully getting to Buffalo and giving my seniors a shot as, you know, at, at Buffalo. That experience is a once in a lifetime, and be great if everybody could experience it. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and for me, I feel like I got lucky in my first two years coaching with you that we were there. And, you know, I've wanted to get back there ever since because, like, like you said, I mean, for those kids to experience it up in Buffalo and the Harbor Center, it's just uh, when, when you're there and you're in the Final Four, you know that you've got a shot. And it's just uh, it should be on every high school hockey player's bucket list in, in New York State. So, all right, Ed, looks like your time in the box is up. We're heading back to even strength. So thanks again for taking the time to chat it up.
thank you and good luck with your uh, podcast. I think it's going to be great and I think it's something that's definitely needed and I'll be listening. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. We are super excited, or should I say super stoked, to partner with you, Your Environments Wax, which offers a full line of surf and hockey wax made all natural from beeswax. I've been handed a few samples to try on my own, but my go-to is the Peppermint Overload Super Stack Hockey Wax. I'm not surprised at all that it's the number one rated wax for stickiness, and it scored a 9.7 out of 10 on performance nationwide. It smells fantastic, helps me dangle the silky mitts, and it's the first ever stick wax formula that directly helps our environment. Do it clean and head right to youstoked.com. That's Y-E-W-S-T-O-K-E-D.com or to your nearest pure hockey to get yours today. Your Environments Wax is actually founded by some former Pelham High School hockey players. You can visit them anytime at their shop called The Hive out in Manhattan Beach, California. In honor of Ed and his 500th win, the You Stoke team is giving away a free bar of stick wax to the first 38 orders that come directly from the podcast. We will release the link to order on Instagram later on in the week. If that's not enough to get you buzzing, the team over at You will also be providing a pretty sweet giveaway. One lucky winner will be selected out of the first 100 followers to follow Conduct on Instagram as well as You Stoked and receive the grand prize of a You hoodie and some more stick wax. The winner will be drawn on Instagram Live, so make sure you stay tuned and follow along. Just this past week, when we knocked off Rye and we got win number 500 for Ed, I saw one of the coolest things I've ever seen as part of a hockey locker room, which, as a lot of you know, is a very sacred place. Now, after we won, we gave the game puck over to Ed. And part of the backstory is, is that in his office, he has pucks for win number 100, win number 250, and win number 400, all pucks that have been given to him over time as he's kind of gone on in his coaching career. But instead of him keeping that 500th puck, he actually gave it to one of our players, instead highlighting the team's success over his milestone. That's just a testament to Ed's character. For him, it's always been about the kids, and it's always been about the P, you know, that Pelham logo on the front of our jerseys, uh, his entire coaching career. You know, there aren't many people like that left in the game, and just to watch him do things like that on a daily basis, it's truly special, and it just speaks volumes about his character and the type of coach that he is. I uh, hope you guys learned a lot from my interview with him. He's a great role model for me, and he could be a great guy for a lot of aspiring coaches and current coaches to kind of listen to and look up to. Before we wrap up, make sure you take your game to the next level with the number one grip in hockey. Butt Ends has been trusted by NHL pros since 2013. Personally, I'm a big fan of their stretch grip. The elasticity of their natural rubber adds improved comfort and maximizes shot power and accuracy. As a coach, the best part is their grips totally save the shelf life on the palm of my hockey gloves for someone who is on the ice every day like me. As an added bonus, butt end grips are completely reusable and can easily be cleaned and transferred from one stick to another. They offer multiple options for both players and goalies and are available in a number of different colors and patterns. Head to buttends.com that's B-U-T-T-E-N-D-Z.com and use the code UnsportsmanMike20. Again, that's UnsportsmanMike20 at checkout for 20% off your butt ends order. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when the next one drops on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay out of the box.